Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the rest that we have in Christ who has already finished the work that needed to be done. And he brings us now to worship you. We pray that we would worship you in spirit and truth this morning and that we would be edified by our various Sunday schools. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be going over Psalm 87 and the rest of the Bible, it might feel like. So if you want to turn to Psalm 87 in your Bibles, we're going to start by reading it. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Selah. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Selah. Singers and dancers alike say, All my springs are in you. The city of God. Zion, the everlasting city, the city that is to come. Where were you born? People have always cared. Babylon, Tyre, Cush. These are not obscure cities. You've heard of these ones. It's a point of pride throughout history, a point of social status. In Acts chapter 22, Paul is about to be whipped, and he leans over to the centurion, and he says, I'm a Roman citizen. And the centurion pauses, he goes, and he talks to the tribune, and he says, this guy's a Roman citizen. We haven't, we haven't really gone through the procedures where we then get to whip him. So the tribune stops, and uh, he says to Paul, are you a Roman citizen? Paul says, yes. The tribune answers, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. Where were you born? You are born into a political and social context. You have rights, protections, you have obligations. Were you born here in the U.S.? Then you've got the Bill of Rights, but you also have to pay your taxes. And men, you have to sign up for the selective service. Where were you born? For here, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And of Zion, it shall be said, this one and that one was born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Did you know that if... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In fact, he's making all things new. Jeremiah tells us of a new covenant. Ezekiel tells us of a new heart and a new spirit. John tells us of a new city. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, tells us of a new priesthood and a new law. Paul talks about 
a new man, a new self, a new life, and a renewed mind. So going over those again, we have a new covenant, a new city, a new priesthood, a new law, a new heart, new spirit, new man, new self, new life. That's a lot of news. And it's good news. Identity is something we think about a lot. Already and not yet. Where were you born? Somewhere in the U.S., somewhere abroad, somewhere on this earth. Were you also born in Zion? Dr. Sproul uh, talks about, in one of his teaching series, being and becoming. That's very similar to already and not yet. It's this tension philosophical tension that people have been talking about for a very long time. Are you a man already? Are you a man yet? What does it take to become a man? How did you become a man? Did you lead a hunt and bring back the meat? Or did you kill an enemy warrior and take his scalp? Or did your dad tell you that you're a man now? Did you go on a walkabout or a grand tour? We're suffering a pandemic right now, but it's a pandemic of identity crisis where nobody knows what their identity is anymore. It's all around us in the culture, but it's even people in the church, in our church, sometimes we're asking these kinds of questions. What's it mean to be a man? Or am I sufficiently manly? People are saying, you just need to man up or man up first, and then you can do this and that. But do we know who we are? Can the circumstances of our birth Help us understand who we are. Let me help you with this. If you were born a man, you're a man. If you were born a woman, you're a woman. Were you born in Rome, in Roman territory like Paul? You're a Roman by birth. Were you born in the United States of America? Then you're an American. Were you conceived and born in sin like David? Then you're a sinner by the law of nature. Were you conceived and born a man? You're a man already. Were you conceived and born a woman? You're a woman already. The Lord records as he registers the peoples. This one was born there. So we're already men and women. Already, and not yet, there is still a tension. Is a fig tree that doesn't have any figs on it yet still a fig tree? You are a man, so bring forth the fruits of a man. You are a woman, so bring forth the fruits of a woman. Darcy and I sat down not long ago to watch a movie, and that is always uh, fraught with risk that it's going to be a waste of time. But this movie was entertaining. It was engaging. The concept that it was based on was interesting and compelling, The humor was artful. The romance was full of chemistry. And we were getting into it. It was striking a chord. We were enjoying it. And the tension was building. And we're heading for the climax. And we're about two-thirds of the way through when the internet just goes out and we were streaming it. So the movie was over for us that night and we just went to bed. When we got a chance to go and finish watching the movie we couldn't get the feeling back. 
the climax just fizzled, and it was it was lost. And it wasn't the store. It wasn't the storyline. It wasn't the movie's fault. It was just interrupted, and it was it was not how it's supposed to play out. That's how stories work. Often our attempts to dissipate the theological uh, tension of the already and not yet, they're, premature, they're premature, and they result in a similar anticlimactic effect. And some of the theories that we throw out there, two kingdoms or Christendom or theonomy or social gospel, they're trying to resolve a tension that's going to be with us until the climax. Until Jesus comes back, it's called the consummation for a reason. We're heading to the wedding feast. The tension builds and builds until the marriage day comes, and then it's consummated. These theories interrupt the story arc and offer only a fizzled-out climax. So how should we then live? This one was born here. You were born in some state here. Ohio, Virginia, perhaps. Maybe you were born in Puerto Rico or in South America. I can't think of where. But you were born here on this earth. And again, Dr. Sproul reminded us over and over again through his entire ministry, what you do right now matters forever. This is the piece of the tension of living in the city of man. It matters. We turn to Paul because he can help us understand our identity. He gives us the legitimate categories that we should be working with. He talks of men and women, celibates and married couples, husbands, wives, widows, parents and children, young and old, free and slaves, masters or servants, Jews and Greeks. Everybody knows that these are the legitimate categories. Because as Augustine works through this in his confessions, these categories aren't just written down in Scripture. They are in creation around us. God speaks them. Let there be man. These categories are right in front of us, and you might say they're as plain as the nose on your face. The Lord records his, as he registers the people's. Listen to some of the things that the Lord has recorded. This one was born here. Onesimus, born a man, a Greek, probably born a slave in the household of Philemon. We'll have to come back to the forcefulness of the letter that Paul sends to him later. But Timothy, he was born a man. He was born to a Greek father and a Jewish mother. Abraham, he was born as Abram. And he was born a man. He was born in Canaan. He was born to an Amorite father and a Hittite mother. He was a free man. Ruth, a woman, a Moabite. Rahab, a woman, born in Jericho, no obscure city. Moses, born, a man, a slave, born in Egypt. Paul, born a free man, in Tarsus of Cilicia. A Roman citizen with all the attendant rights and privileges as we see in his life. This one, a celibate woman. This one, a married man and a father. This one, a widow. This one was born there. So how shall we live? Paul, the man of tension, tells us, he shows us. Because he's Paul the Benjaminite. 
Paul, the Roman, the, Christ, the Christian, the Jewish apostle to the Gentiles, the one born out of season, the one blinded by light, the persecutor of the church that lays its foundation, the one who refused to circumcise Timothy the half-Jew, no matter the offense, but circumcised Titus the Greek so as not to give offense. He commands Christians to submit to the governing authority, but repeatedly demands his rights as a Roman citizen. He's the chief sinner who says, imitate me. The one who was humble when face to face, bold when far away. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what Paul was saying by letter when absent, he was demonstrating when present. Think of that. Not a rough cutting edge of embodied ministry. Instead, meekness like Moses. Humble and lowly like Jesus. These things aren't contradictory. They are intention. Paul is a man of tension. He lives in the tension between the city of man and the city of God. This one was born there. He was born in the city of man. And he was born in the city of God. Are we born in the city of God? Are we born in Zion? If you were born in Rome... You are a Roman, and you will do as the Romans do. But if you were born in Zion, you belong to Jesus, and you will do as he commands. You resemble your parents. More than that, your soul resembles their souls. You share their nature physically and spiritually. You weren't born to your parents because you were a sinner, You are a sinner because you were born to your parents. You see, being born in Zion means you've been saved. You've been regenerated. You weren't born there because you were holy. You're holy because you were born there. You didn't purchase your citizenship with a large sum like the Roman Tribune. It's too expensive. No, you're a citizen by birth because Jesus purchase the right to say, this one was born here in Zion. And you've come to the Mount, to Mount Zion of the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Remember, the Lord records as he registers at the peoples. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, how shall we then live? You were born in Zion. You were born of water and the Spirit. Look like it. You were declared righteous. Live like it. Already and not yet, the tension remains. It's a fig tree, but I don't see the figs yet. You're a man, a woman. Grow up into maturity. Be what a man or a woman is supposed to be. You're a citizen. Render to Caesar the things that are his. You're a worker. Work is unto the Lord. You're holy. Bring forth the fruits of holiness. And whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. But the tension remains. I want to do good, but I do evil. The spirit wars against the flesh. 
We have attained it, but we have not yet obtained it. Paul says in Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. If you'll turn in your hymnals, Psalter hymnals, to page 927, if you happen to have it by you, we're going to take a quick detour. I like to use Scripture and the Confession in my Bible studies or my Sunday schools because... That way, if what I prepared is not very good, you're getting some quality out of Scripture and uh, out of the Confession. Chapter 13 on page 927 of Sanctification. We're going to read the three paragraphs. It's not long, but read along with me. Paragraph 1. They who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified, and they more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces to the practice of true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Two, This sanctification is throughout, in the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abiding still some remnants of corruption in every part, whence ariseth a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Three, in which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, The regenerate part doth overcome, and so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there's some things that are sanctified really and personally. But not ever perfected in this life. But growing in grace, mortifying sin, and living more and more unto holiness. Take a look at this graph. Because every complicated... Theological point can be demonstrated with a graph. Imperfectly, though. So, here we have, on this axis, the standard of holiness. It goes up infinitely to the perfect standard of holiness. On this red part, we have the person's perception of the standard of holiness. We tend to think that it's right there. I'm almost there. If I can just fix this one thing then I'll be perfect. And this is our sanctification. As the uh, confession says, we make progress and sometimes we have setbacks. It looks a lot like a stock chart. You go up and down, but the general trend is upward. As we become more sanctified, our perception of holiness becomes more accurate. And we start to realize it's not just above us. It's, It's a little ways above us. 
Or maybe it's a little bit further above us. Or maybe it's way up high above us. And so that accounts for the phenomenon we have of as we go through life as Christians, we do become more sanctified because it's the work the Holy Spirit's doing in you. It's not the work you're doing. And he's faithful to complete it. But part of that sanctification is having a more accurate view of the standard of holiness and how far short you fall. You become more sanctified and your perceived gap becomes more accurate between you and holiness. Holiness. Take comfort, ye my people. You are holy and you will be holy. You will be the righteous made perfect. You can't be anything else because you were born that way. This one was born there. Nicodemus tells Jesus late at night, hey, we know that you are from God, and we know that God is with you. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, unless you're born of, the, of water and the Spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, Mount Zion, it has many names. This one was born there. Christian. You were born there in the new city, the everlasting city. You have a new heart, a new spirit, a new priest, Christ Jesus, a new law at work within you. You will bear fruit in keeping with your new nature. So speak and so act. It is Christ who works in you, and he is faithful to complete the work he has begun. The old man is passing away with the old city. The new man is being renewed day by day. We're being fitted for the everlasting city to dwell with the everlasting man. You see, we don't need to man up. We need to grow up into the full stature of the man, Jesus Christ. And we do so together as the church, the bride of Christ, a feminine entity by definition, one that submits to Christ and follows his lead, one that is responsive to his desires and commands. You see, Paul takes each category and aims it at Christ. Men, do thus and so like Christ. Women, do thus and so like Christ. Children, do thus and so in Christ. Masters, be gentle like Christ. Servants, work like you're working for Christ. In Christ, we lose spurious elements of identity, so much so that there is no longer any distinction between male and female, slave or free, Jew or Greek. Behold the man. You see, Jesus is not the man of tension. He's the man of fulfillment and the man of resolution. We were born here first and then in Zion. He was the eternal begotten son of the Father first, and then he was born in Bethlehem, which is an obscure city. He was the Son of God and became the Son of Man so that the children of men would have the right to be called the Son of God, the sons of God. The law of God was written on his heart and he lived it perfectly, but he still went ahead and fulfilled the written law, the one that was passing away. A perfect priest. He sacrificed himself that he might present us holy and perfect to his Father, our Father in heaven. He does this by grafting us into himself. See, he is the fig tree. 
We are grafted into him, and we will bring forth figs in the city of man and in the city of God. This one was begotten there, but we were born here. So he was born here so that one day we could be born there. But just like he came to us the first time, he isn't bringing us there. He's bringing there here into our hearts. You see, it's us. The city of God is the bride adorned. The bride is the church. The church is us. This is us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And with that, we will pray for two minutes, and we'll end exactly on time. Okay. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are doing a work in us and that you're faithful to complete it. We thank you that you have set your love upon us. There was nothing we could do to earn it. We love you because you first loved us, and we ask that you would help us and strengthen us to go out and to love one another like we love ourselves, just as you have said. People will know you by the way that you love one another. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.